the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. So good to be with you today. Happy Monday to you. I hope that you are doing well this weekend. You can join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Lots of crazy stuff going on in the news today. This hour, I want to talk about maybe something you did this weekend and get your thoughts about it. Did you celebrate Earth Day? Did you even know that was this weekend? Do you even care? Uh, I forgot about it, but uh, I know lots of churches do Earth. <laughs> I forgot about it till I read this article in Time magazine, which is surprising for two reasons. Number one, it's surprising that Time is still a magazine. Number two, it's, uh, it's surprising because Time magazine is calling for us to make Earth Day into a holiday, as in holy day, like create a new religion around it. And I want to share some stuff with you because maybe that seems like a topic you wouldn't be interested in, except for this. The way that article reads, it's much bigger than just Earth Day. It's what the culture is doing as it tries to replace God. And as Christians, we've got to understand this. Or as anybody who's listening, if you're not a Christian and you're thinking about religious things, probably why you're tuning in here, you've got some perspective or something you're wrestling with. At the end of the day, truth is where it's at. And if there is spiritual reality, if we have a purpose on this earth, then it's got to be above us, right? And it can't be just us. It can't be just you and me. So here's what I'd like to hear from you is, hey, do you think there's something that Christians ought to do for the environment? Like Whether you do it on Earth Day or you do it on some other day. Maybe Earth Day is a day that we, as believers, sort of take away from the, the pagan sides of it and turn it into something positive to do for the environment. Certainly, the Bible is very clear that we, we have a role to play in taking care of the earth and doing certain things. And I think that's okay. What do you think? What are some positive things, some legitimate things that Christians can do for the environment? 888-528-2557. In the meantime, I want to share this with you. Time Magazine shares this story about turning uh, Earth Day into a holiday. It's by Paul Greenberg and Carl Safina. It's another thing that happens these days. There's never just one writer of an article anymore. Is it because Paul's writing the article and Carl walked in and had one point now he's, I, I don't know how that works. Anyway, they say this, and I'm kind of going to go through this because it's important. It's important that we understand the thinking that is out there. It's important because if we're called to make disciples, we've got to understand where people are coming from today. And I don't think there were that many people coming from this angle a few years ago, but there's a lot of us coming from this angle today, a lot of people coming from this angle. They say Earth Day is upon us. That forlorn little non-holiday that some years sandwiches itself between Easter and Passover or other years trails in the wake of those, quote, and they put this in quote, real holidays. They put real in quotes. Okay, like, like Easter and Passover aren't real holidays. They're not real holy days. Right, they've been practiced for thousands of years by people all over the earth. 
<laughs> the, like, these are these are beyond America. They're beyond any one country. They are real holidays. All the entire planet, somebody somewhere in every place is celebrating those holidays. Okay. Um, and then they said, if the Super Bowl is America's unofficial national day of celebration, is that true? I'm pretty sure it's uh, July 4th, maybe Memorial Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas. All of those things, by the way, are holidays that celebrate things much bigger than ourselves, but they, they celebrate ideas of things. So the authors write this, Earth Day is the collective yawn that brings a shrug. That's true. I agree with that. No recipes offer Earth Day chips and dips to serve to all the people coming to your house. That's definitely true, right? Because imagine, do you have an Earth Day party? Do you do that? Do you have people come over? Do you have chips and dips? It's not easy to uh, dip raw kale into some kind of hummus. It's just not an easy thing to do. I don't, I don't. And here's the thing. They are looking for something to do that is about worship. That's what they're going to actually say here in a second. All right. That we need to worship the earth and we need to turn Earth Day not into some sort of uh, day where we consider the environment and go out and pick up trash or do the things that we do, but that it needs to be a day of worship. And I want to emphasize why this is happening. And this is something that gets into every issue in our culture today. It gets into the lack of truth that we see in the media. It gets into the trouble that we're having in our politics. It's part of the the transgenderism issue or other things that are controversial where people and things are being redefined. That if And it all comes down to the idea of if you get rid of God, if you get rid of the idea that there is a sovereign God, then you have to come up with your own thing. And that's what they're doing here. And ultimately, you make yourself God. And if you're listening and, and you're, you're an atheist, this is, this is one of the, the difficult things. And I would challenge you to read, you know, what some of the, if you're an atheist, what some of them think. You know, Nietzsche, for example, you probably don't read that guy, but he makes a really good point. This is something that, that he says. He says, God is dead. You've probably heard the Nietzsche, God is dead quote. You've seen it written on the bathroom stall. It's one of my favorite things, the bathroom stalls, right? Somebody writes, God is dead, Nietzsche, and then somebody underneath it writes, uh, Nietzsche is dead, God. Eh, That's funny. But this is what he actually said. God is dead, God remains dead, and we have killed him, meaning people. How shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? What was holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives. Who will wipe this blood off of us? He's talking about what it means that if we say that there is no God, if we say that there is no creator, if there is nobody that we are accountable or nothing that we're accountable, if you have a religious view that talks about the, you know, the universe and uh, holding you accountable or however it works— If there is none of that, if there's no spirituality that is in any way legitimate, that if you think that through, you're undoing everything that every society has lived under. You're undoing every bit of rules and morality and ethics, all of it. And he says, who will wipe this blood off of us for killing God? Because if we kill God, right, then we have undone the society. We have undone the foundations that humanity has lived under forever. What water is there to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement? What sacred games shall we have to invent? There's there's not a lot of uh, interesting or inspiring, you know, there is no God songs. 
right? It's just, you know, not something that you teach the kids to, you know, to any, any inspiration at all. What sacred games shall we have to invent? It's, is it not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Must, must we ourselves not become gods simply to appear worthy of it? That's the point. And this is where a guy like Nietzsche is right. People don't read these philosophers. They sort of quote them and then follow the philosophy, but they don't think it through. Nietzsche's problem is he thought it through and he became depressed. And it's super depressing reading, which is probably one of the big reasons you don't read it. But He's right here, is that we have to become gods in order to become worthy of saying that there is no God, to become worthy of determining that there must be some new way to worship. That is something that is something that as Christians, when we think about our family or friends, that we've got to understand that where they're coming from. And it's part of the crazy that we're dealing with today, because if there is no God, and I believe that we are in a culture that is, people say, post-Christian but maybe we're in a culture that's moving to be in a place or it's already in a place where we're post-God, like even the whole idea. So it's not just that we're, we're beyond the Judeo-Christian ethic. We might be moving to a place where we're just beyond an idea of God or supernatural. Now, that's not true of everybody. And in fact, there is a whole lot of great evidence that younger people are, are moving back away from this. All right. But for this article in Earth Day, uh, I think it's pretty interesting. They say this, that Earth Day, um, that for the two writers of this article, both call themselves environmentalists. One of them is nominally Jewish, he says, and the other is a recovering Catholic, which I think means they're both atheists. Um, They say this, we find the ill-defined nature of the one and only day honoring the place that makes life itself possible more than a little sacrilegious. Is Earth what makes life itself possible? See, you have a, if you're a Christian, you've got a, a very significant religious view about this. It's a misunderstanding of what makes life possible, since we're talking about religion. Hebrews 1.3, the Son, meaning Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And then it says, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The Bible is very, very clear that everything is sustained by God. What makes life possible, from a Christian perspective, is God the living God. He makes it all possible. If he decides that he doesn't want it, it's gone, right? That That is the religious point of view. And the idea that just the earth makes life possible, it starts to ignore how is that even possible. So then they propose this. They propose that a real earth day, a holiday, should represent a new way to approach worship. That's what they said. That's the words they use, a new way to approach worship, See, this is what we have to understand. If you have to come up with some kind of religion, um, you you have to come up with some kind of religion if you get rid of God, if you get rid of all the religions that are out there. If you think all the religions are the same, you've got a problem because you've got to come up with some kind of purpose because if they're all the same, then they're all not true, right? Or you're saying that there's some higher power than all of that, but you are becoming, you're inventing the religion. And this is when, when they talk about worship, it's an incredible thing. You know, so then they write this, and this is something else that I think we have to think about when it comes to our faith. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I'm Pastor Scott, and you can call me and join the conversation, 888-528-2557. There was an article in Time Magazine proposing that we turn Earth Day into a holy day and that we turn it into a religion, that literally we find a way to worship the earth and use Earth Day as the, the celebratory day of that religion. They say this, they say, to begin with, let's look at what established religions get right and where we might take a cue. Now this, for, for all of us listening, I think that 
many people who take a stab at what religions think that are not religions that they're a part of get it completely wrong that often we have not studied religions, that we often uh, assume we know certain things about other people's religions, and those are often incorrect. They get pretty much everything wrong about world religions here. So they're, and, and they're making a statement here. They are going to determine what established religions get right. All right, the assumption is that all religions are wrong, and what they are going to do is tell us how they're right and wrong, which makes them God, right? That was the point that I made here with the the Nietzsche thing, is that if you get rid of God, if there is no God, you're going to have to come up with your own religion anyway. And the way you come up with your own religion is you have to make yourself God, right? Because you're the one setting the rules. You're the one setting the boundaries. You're the one making the laws and what's a sin and what's not a sin. Is there a sin? You are the one coming up with the purpose for mankind, the purpose for earth, the purpose for animals. You're the... You're the purpose maker. You're the decide. You're God. Does that make sense? You have to. Otherwise, life has no purpose. Otherwise, there's no meaning. Otherwise, it's very depressing. It's very, very sad. And by the way, if you're listening, I don't believe any of that. I believe that God is, is for real and that he loves you and that he made you on purpose and that he made you in order to be with you. He didn't make you as a slave and he didn't make you as some kind of, you know, um, you know, somebody to rule over in some way. He made you to be family. That's why in Christianity we call God Father. That's why Jesus, when he invites us to pray, it's it's not dear creator. It's not almighty king, hallowed be your name. It's our Father. It is that relationship that it's the basis of our faith, that God is for real. He wants a relationship with you. What he asks you to do is to trust him to trust him that what he says about the world and the universe is correct. And if you do, if you believe, as we believe as Christians, that Jesus is the Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins, that you have sin, and your spiritual angst, whatever it is you think you owe somehow, that Jesus took care of it, that he's right, that he paid the penalty, the thing that you think that you owe somehow, the thing that these authors think that somehow they owe the earth, because if you get rid of God, you have to come up with some kind of thing to pay off the spiritual debt that you feel in your heart. That's what they're doing. They've made themselves God. So then they write this. Perhaps the first step might be unearthing the nature-centered origins of our existing religious holidays. They write, most of us know in the back of our minds that Christmas and Hanukkah fall around the time of the winter solstice, that Easter and Passover are celebrated in tandem with the arrival of spring, that Sukkot and Diwali mark harvest and the summer's last warmth. These holidays have origins uh, in gratitude, gratitude for the sun returning, gratitude for the harvest that could avert starvation the winter might bring, and thanks for when it did avert it. We could conceivably, they say, reframe these holidays as days of thanks for what the natural world gives and reminders that our responsibility for what remains is an ongoing covenant. See, here's the thing. You can't. They're wrong about what those holidays are. Passover is not about gratitude because the sun came back up. And it is not about uh, the idea of we had a good harvest. Passover is about God supernaturally saving the Israelites from the angel of death, the symbolism of shed blood and faith in the living God, and freeing Israel from slavery to Egypt. And it has nothing to do with celebrating the natural world, except for the idea of original sin and death. For Christians, 
it's rooted in the coming of Messiah and the shed blood of Christ, who is the Lamb of God, that the Lamb at Passover is symbolic of, and that everything points to the eventual coming of Jesus Christ, everything in history, everything in Israel, everything written in the New Testament, all the prophecies, for what? To make, you know, to take away our sin and free us from the slavery of sin eternally. You know, those holidays, Passover, Easter, they have nothing to do with harvest or earth. They're just wrong. Now, the, the pagan version of, say, Easter, in a way, does, right? You, did you do Easter with the eggs and, the, and all of the stuff? You know, why is that? Well, it's because, uh, you know, Easter has to do with new life, and the pagan view of new life is that uh, rabbits do stuff, and when they do that, there's a lot of new rabbits, if you know what I'm saying. I'm not sure how the uh, eggs fit into it exactly that way, but that's where it comes, kind of a pagan cultish belief. Christians, by the way, took that over because they were able to say over time, no, 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 new life comes from Christ. New life is resurrection. New life is you get to be you and you get to be welcomed into the family of God. And one day you're going to be with God forever. There will be new heaven and new earth and everything will be perfect. See, that is, that's not worshiping the earth. And the Easter became a Christian thing, even though it has the, the word Easter has pagan roots. The real deal with Easter is the resurrection of Christ and what that means for human beings. Now, if, you're, if you celebrate Diwali, they mention, okay, that's part of Hinduism and, and several other Eastern religions celebrate that. It marks the victory in those teachings of victory of light over darkness, of good over evil, of knowledge over ignorance. And it's, it has nothing to do with celebrating the earth. So they don't even get that right. It's ignorant. But see, here's the thing. This is not somebody's blog I'm reading this from. This is not, you know, somebody's eighth grade term paper where they're just making it up. This is Time Magazine, which at one point was an important magazine. I don't think it is anymore, except that these things, you know, the the holidays, there's usually some Jesus story and there's an Earth Day story and there's a Christmas story and there's a person of the year, which I don't know if anybody cares. Not since 2006 when I was the person of the year. Did you know that, that I was the Time Magazine Person of the Year? Wilbert, did you know I was the Time Magazine Person of the Year in 2006? I've heard you mention it a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like to mention that. I, I think I have that in my, uh, my LinkedIn or my resume somewhere. Uh, but, Wilbert, did you know that you also are the Time Magazine Person of the Year, 2006? Uh, I have. You, you have taught me this fun fact. Yes, after the show, everybody Google that. Google that. You are the person of the year. After that, nobody cares. Everybody's person of the year, so I guess they don't have to do it anymore. Anyway, nobody cares, except this is out there. All right? So they write this. This is Pastor Scott's show, and uh, the number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation. You can also send me an email, pastorscott at kkla.com, 888-528-2557. In the background of what I'm describing here, you know, there is something that we should be doing for the environment. I think even as Christians, we have that obligation. But we need to understand how people are going about creating a a holiday or religion about environmentalism. You know, it's one thing to want to plant a tree. It's another thing to want to take care of the environment or not put carbon in the air or deal with all of that kind of stuff. I think that's important that we talk about. It's another thing to worship it. It's another thing to come up with a religion. It's another thing to say we should discard with human thought and the foundation for the world. It matters. So they write this. They write birth that is ecstatic, birth that is ecstatic co-joining of atoms and molecules resulting in sentience might prompt a ritual of truthfully and factually recounting how inanimate becomes animate. So now they're trying to say, okay, we've got, we've got birth. 
And they write this thing here about how factually inanimate becomes animate. Now, I'm not a scientist, okay? I like scientists and I like science. I looked it up and I asked and I searched, is there any evidence and any understanding of how the inanimate can become animate? Because I don't think that's what birth is. And they're writing it and they say it's factually. And this is the best paragraph I found. As of our current understanding, inanimate objects, which are non-living and lack the characteristics of life, do not possess the ability to become animate which refers to living or having the characteristics of life. Inanimate objects include things like rocks, minerals, water, and other non-living entities, while animate objects are living organisms such as plants, animals, and microorganisms. It's not even true to suggest that when you were born, you were inanimate at one point, and then you became animate. Not true. Not at all true. And yet, this is in a major magazine. And what I want us to understand is that you might think this is silly, but this is the top of communication that is going out to people today in place of what is true about the world. 888-528-2557, Pastor Scott Show. Rachel in Orange County, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. First of all, I just want to say that intro music of Greta Van Fleet is amazing. I I like it. Oh, thank you. My favorite. Um, but, um, you know, just my two cents on this whole thing, um, uh, about taking God out of everything and, you know, exchanging the truth for a lie, that whole thing, um, and celebrating Earth Day as a holy day, a holiday, which is holy day, and all the nonsense and, and all the other nonsense that's just coming about. And I see a lot of my Christian friends or, you know, um, conservative friends. Uh, just really upset and griping about it and, you know, being really loud about it. But, you know, there's really not a whole lot we can do as far as, you know, just complaining about it. I, you know, write your congressman and, you know, be vocal and things like that. But one thing I've been pondering lately is that, well, you know, it, it's good to speak up. We shouldn't be silent about it. But at the same time, it, it just kind of came to me that, you know, this is just this is just all in God's plans according to exactly to what he said. And um, it's not failing his plan at all. It's just, it's just proving it. The, the, it's proving said. his plan that people would go away from the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. And all these things that are happening, you know, God said this is going to happen. And, and in a way it, it may just bring a lot of people closer to, so they can see now it's like, wow, you know, this is really happening. Maybe there's something to this uh, Bible and, and what he says. Um, it, it, it's not proving him or disproving him or showing him to be a lesser, you know, if anything, it's just strengthening his word and the truth. Well, I think that there might be some truth to that because what you're saying, see, and, and one of the things is we might be at the end times. I got to go to a break, Rachel. Thank you for your call. Uh, we might be living in the time that's the end times. Lots of people think that. Maybe Jesus is coming much sooner. Um, but on the other hand, maybe he's not. Maybe you know, we don't know. Maybe we're about to have great revival. And I think we have to live kind of on, on, in a place where we recognize that one day Jesus will return. And the lead up to that is people rejecting God and the love of many will grow cold and the people will exchange truth for lie. All that is important to recognize and not be discouraged by because the Bible tells us that's going to happen. But also to recognize that's happened in different places and different times in history before. And there have been revivals. 
There have been great revivals, and at the same time, we should live toward that. And as we, this is one of the reasons I think it's important to understand what people are thinking today about God and religion and even the environment and stuff. And it's important to have a good response for that and also maybe something to do. How do we treat, you know, what is a better response for how to treat the the environment rather than to worship it? Maybe there's some things we can do. I got to take a break. I see your call, Richard. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Back in a minute as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Rebecca put a teacher's creed into words when she said, there's no such thing as someone else's child. No such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children. That was President Biden today in the Rose Garden. uh, And that that statement's been going around because, um, you know, what does he mean by it? I think it's it's relevant to say, you know what, we should be concerned about everybody's kids, right? We should pay attention to all the kids in our neighborhood and our schools, and, and we all have a certain role to play. But many people, particularly on the left, believe that as parents, really the state should be raising the kids. And does he mean that? I think that is where he's coming from. And partly, and welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. We've been talking about uh, environmentalism and Earth Day and a article that wants to make Earth Day a holiday and turn it into a religion where we actually worship the Earth and it gives some ideas. And one of those ideas that's interesting is this. They they write this. This was in Time magazine. The covenant of marriage might be an opportunity to remind young couples to consider the burden children place upon the planet. So part of this new religion is the burden of kids. Don't have them. This new religion hates kids. See, I think if you're going to create a religion out of thin air, that uh, it should be fun. People will join it. If you if you hate kids, I don't think people are going to go with it. And it's just part of the idea that there's too many people, even though there's not. You could put every single person and give them property. Every person on earth could live in Texas, and they could all have property, like a quarter of an acre. Did you know that? Every person on earth. You ever fly over the country? Look out the window. Get a window seat and just look out the window. You know, there's there's room. There is the ability to grow food and do a whole lot. 888-528-2557. What are some good things that we can do as Christians for the environment? Is there, you know, as we think about this, rather than turn it into a religion, is there an attitude that we can have that is better and give God the glory for uh, what we have? 888-528-2557. Richard in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. Hi, Richard. Uh, glad to be on, and I just want to say that the first time I heard you on the air, which was probably not your first time on the air, but the first time I encountered you, I called the station, and I said, "This I really like this guy, so I'm really glad that you've got the, the gig. It's a pleasure to listen to you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I, I just wanted to talk about uh, Earth Day, um, and I'll just go back about 30 years uh to an Earth Day celebration coming up. And I was working uh, with a guy that I haven't seen in a long time, not a Christian, and uh, I was then like I am now. And I was sort of mocking Earth Day and just saying, oh, save the planet. <laughs> and uh, this guy said to me, well, it's the only place we have to live. And I felt very convicted at that time. Yeah. And what it took me back to 
was, you know, of course, uh, God uh, charged Adam with tending the garden mm-hmm. and uh, subduing the earth and all of that. Uh, and he made us stewards over this creation of his. And so it really changed my attitude. It didn't make me, you know, I felt like it was something for tree huggers. And, right. You know, uh, and all that sort of thing. But I realized you know, all of that aside, people are going to be what they're going to be. You know, pagans are going to be pagans. Environmentalists are going to be environmentalists for whatever their cause is. But my reason for, you know, having respect for the place that the Lord uh, entrusted uh, to us is to do our very best as a steward. And we don't want to destroy the place because, you know, we're not going to, I mean, you know, if we set off enough nuclear bombs at the same time, Right. you know, we can cause some major destruction and, you know, even even do worse than that. But even the smaller things uh, that we're doing for our convenience, that, you know, it's like we're, we're putting all of, the, all of this trash in landfills and we've got these, you know, microplastics and all that stuff. And so I, I think that we as Christians, with a, with a duty to God first, owe our allegiance to making sure that we are the best stewards that we can be of what he has charged us with. Yeah, and I think the Bible's pretty clear about that, that we have a role of stewardship, right? Not We don't worship the earth. We we don't, you know, just, uh, you know, trash it. We have some kind of stewardship. I think there are things that Christians should do. Like a lot of, I mentioned at the, the outset, a lot of churches do an Earth Day event where they'll go out and pick up trash or they'll do some recycling or uh, do all of that. I think that there is ministry to be done here that can be done without getting into uh, some of the, the kooky stuff that sometimes happens. Thank you so much for yeah. listening. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Appreciate your call. I think Richard is right. 888-528-2557. What are some things that we can do as believers when it comes to the environment? Things that are real, things that actually can be done, or maybe it's a big thing that you've got in mind, but what are some things that can be supported by people who want to give God the glory, who believe that we are stewards of the environment? I think you got to be, you have to be real about it. There's a, you know, another thing that goes on with the environment is it's called aspirational recycling, right? Where you, you go to Costco or some restaurant can be lots of places do it now where you divide up your, you divide up your trash, you do it at your house, right? You divide up your trash and you got one bin for the recyclables and you got one bin for the trash. And pretty soon you're supposed to have a bin for, you know, organics, food items and stuff. And the trouble is, is that is that actually being recycled or is it all going in the same hole ultimately? New York Times reported a few years ago that a big percentage of it gets sold to China and they dump it in the same hole or in the ocean. If you go, and I check this out all the time. I mentioned Costco, but it's other, lots of places now. They'll have like three trash bags. So you go to Costco and you get your fabulous, you know, whatever it is. It's the pizza roll that you got from the the nice sample lady. And it comes with a plastic fork and a little paper thing that it's in. And uh, you eat it. And it leaves some tomato sauce inside the paper thing. What do you do with the plastic fork and the paper thing? Or if you decide you don't like the pizza roll, what do you do with that? Well, you got three little compartments. One's for plastic, one is for trash, and one is for food items. And sometimes I check it out. And I don't think most people know what to do or if it even matters because I've, I've heard that if it's got food stains on it, then it, then it just should go in the trash. You can't recycle it. But I've also noticed that often there's only one bag under there. 
So you've got three holes and one bag. I was at uh, an amusement park. There's an amusement park in Los Angeles, and it's got trash cans that say somebody goes through the trash to sort out the recyclables. That's a, that's amazing. I don't want to tell you what amusement park it is, but it's a universal concept that we should really do something about that. 888-528-2557. So uh, writers in Time Magazine want to make Earth Day a holiday, like to worship it, a new religion, and they talk all about it. The burden of kids is one of them that <laughs> it's not inspiring at all. They write this. They write, let's look at religions and what they do to help us form community and mark life's important benchmarks. This is what the article says. Birth, maturity, marriage, and death. What if we were to come to celebrate these benchmarks for what they are biologically? You know, friends, there's nothing more inspiring than to celebrate what we are biologically. We are all going to die. That's what it is. That's just a fact. That if, if, that is not, if you can't get more inspiring than that, you know, the best thing you got to look forward to is getting old and dying. You know, if there's no God, if there's no spiritual reality, then we are worthless biological creatures. We are dust in the wind, ultimately, as the old song used to say. Uh, I don't think that's very inspiring. This is why, by the way, there will not be a religion, you know, in the official way here, because it's crazy. That's not inspiring. We try to avoid death. I don't know about you. Uh, it's not something, you know, I, I look forward to being with Jesus, but you know, as the the old thing is, uh, we all want to go to heaven, but we don't want to go right now. That is how we feel, right? And if you are a believer and you're maturing, then the reason for it is that you have things that God wants you to do in this life. You've got eternity to be with him and all of that. But in this life, you have a role. You have a purpose. You have gifts. You have the building of the church. You have growing more like Christ. You have raising kids, doing a good job, giving glory to Christ, sharing your faith, making disciples so that more people get to become your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? That's God's purpose, and you should want to live for that. And whatever's going on in your life, you should want to live to show people Christ throughout whatever that is. And de- death is something that is the enemy. That's why we push it off. That's why uh, you're going to spend more money in your health care your last couple of weeks of life than you will your entire life, just to live a couple more weeks. We, you know, death is the enemy, you know, if they want to teach, well, you know, biologically everything dies, okay, that's great, but death is the enemy. Uh, don't misunderstand that. Don't, don't think that people don't know that. It's the enemy. And with no God, there's no victory. But we have victory over death in Christ. We have victory in Christ. Death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? The script, it's, death loses. Because if you follow Jesus... You follow him into death, and then right out of the hole, he punched in death into resurrection and eternal life. That's gospel, and that's great. See, that's religion. That's truth. That's something to celebrate. I got to take a break. This is the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. What are some things that we should be doing environmentally? Uh, that work, that could be something good for your church to do. Maybe your church had an Earth Day event. What, what did you do? Was it good? Did you, did you add value to your community? Did you do something to give God the glory with it? I think that you can do that. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Always good to be with you. And, uh, you know, you just you just never know. So it's always good to be with you every single day. It's why it's good to believe in Christ. As we were saying before the break, it uh, you have victory over, over death and purpose for life. Wall Street Journal wrote an article, somebody named Claire Ansbury, who's the only person who wrote this article, so good for her. She didn't have to have, I've read articles before in, in magazines where like, there's seven authors to this. Anyway, she wrote this article. It says that the surprise, it's called The Surprising Surge of Faith Among Young People. And I was mentioning that, you know, we might be living in a time where this is the end of the age, right? A lot of people think that the Lord's coming back. And uh, I read this crazy article a couple of days ago that said that Isaac Newton predicted the coming of Christ in 2060, like just a few years from now. How did he know? <laughs> And when you read it, you're like, yeah, he figured it would take this long for the uh, people of the earth to reject God and for Jesus to eventually come back and set up his kingdom. And that's what he said. No one knows the time or hour. I just thought that's an interesting, I had no idea. I knew he was a believer and I knew he has a great faith. If you study Isaac Newton, he has great faith in the Lord. And it's one of the, the things that, you know, and there are many scientists today who have that faith, who recognize that as they study the world and they study how things are going and they study the universe, they study whatever the field is of study, that when you are open to the idea of God and a creator and intelligent mind behind it, that it it bolsters your faith. It makes you somebody who is in awe of the Lord. This is where worship is, right? Worship is to be in awe of the Lord. We worship God in part because, number one, because of who he is, but also because, you know, when you go to church and you worship and you sing to the Lord, you're you're meant to be in awe of him because you can't understand everything he does. Yes, there's there is creation and God created the world, but the when you get into how in the world that happened, you don't really know. You, other than God did it, but you don't know how he did it. If you did, you'd be God. This article in the Wall Street Journal says that a greater share of young adults say that they are that they now believe in a higher power or God, meaning that the number of young adults who are believing that there might be a God has grown over the past three years, in part because people had to struggle. Now, in the article, it doesn't get real theological. I wish they had asked some other people, you know, why they're growing in their faith. There's a lot of evidence that says that Yes, there might be fewer young people who are nominally Christian or even nominally religious. You've probably heard of the religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, that people feel more comfortable today saying they have no religion at all. Uh, But there is a greater share of young people who actually have a very fervent faith, that there may be more young people who are devout in church today than have been for 50 years and I think that there is the possibility, yes, that we're at the end and Jesus will come back soon. And maybe Isaac Newton and, you know, got it pretty close in, uh, you know, 300 years ago. But at the same time, we might be there for a, we might be in for a great revival. And wouldn't that be great to be a part of? It's something that we should pray for and act on. This article claims that one third of 18 to 25 year olds say that they believe more than doubt. Uh, that's not a great number, right? But it's actually up from only 25% in just 2021, uh, according to the Springtide Research Institute. You know, with the COVID and everything that's happened in that, the loss, the 
you know, the conflicts that I think are relevant because of that. What we're seeing in our politics, what we have seen in the trust for institutions, the the different battles that have gone on. So much lost. People lost jobs, careers. They lost friends, family. Some people lost in death. Some people lost in relationship and other ways. It's been a rough few years. If you're If you're much older, you've lived through some really difficult times. And I think that just happens over time, right? But if you're younger, you know, honestly, the last, until the COVID, the last 40 years have been pretty good. You know, the last 40 years, we haven't seen world wars. We've seen some wars, and many people, particularly after uh, 9-11, there are many people that you know, probably most of us know somebody who has been lost at war or lost uh, or has been injured, either physically injured or have come back from war with with mental injuries. You know, what the what the military will call it is a, a moral injury, which is a good term. They just don't have a good solution because, you know, moral injury you need God. You need hope that comes from a higher power. Well, other than those things, we have had actually a spectacularly good economy for a long time. A few recessions, but they've been very minor, relatively speaking. The conflicts we've had in the world, they're significant, but they're minor relative to World War II or even uh, at least Vietnam, at least over the course of time. An awful lot of people, you know, obviously were killed in, in uh, the war on terror. See, what I mean is that we, we're in a culture that is remarkably comfortable, and I think this has impacted the church too, right? We've gotten very comfortable in our churches, and I think that time is—the time of comfort is ending. The time of getting up and feeling like, gosh, you know, everything's going to be the same tomorrow, or I, the, you know, there's always opportunity and stuff, but I think that we feel it. I think I feel it. I think you probably feel it that, you know, it's not as certain as it's been for a lot of us for a good part of our lives or all of our lives. And you know what? That is okay because nothing is certain. The scriptures tell us that nothing is certain. It is a good thing for us to consider what where it is that we have come from, where we're going, what what our purpose is and what our meaning is. One person in this article said that believing in God gives you a reason for living and some hope. Uh, Becca Bell, an 18-year-old college student from... Um, Paosta, Iowa. You know, I think, you know, the thing is interesting about this article, and you read through it, and there's lots of people who are talking about higher powers, or they're talking about God. But one thing that came through in this article to me is that many of these young people don't feel like they need to go to church. They don't feel like they need to have connection with church. Even the Christians who are in this article don't feel like that they need to be um, going to church services. And if you're wherever you're at, I would say to you, number one, certainly that's wrong biblically, but you know what? You do need to go to church. You know, somebody wrote how they don't like organized religion. And you know what? I get that. I have worked in over organized religion for the last 25 years, except for the last year. And my dad is a pastor. So I've been in organized religion my whole life. There are things in organized religion that are not okay. But I've also, for 50 years, seen unorganized religion, and it's worse. You know, disorganized religion is often not religion. It's often just the same thing as you've created your own religion. you got to be with people. Find a church that, you know, maybe because they're in the United States, they have to be a nonprofit corporation, and somewhere there's bylaws, and people have to do the things that you got to do to run a, a company. But make sure they're a church first. Make sure that the Bible is the guide for life and join that. 
be a part of it. Don't expect it to be perfect. It's not going to be. It's full of people who are not perfect. It's full of people who are fallen. It's full of people who have a long way to go. Some people are mature and some people are not at all mature. But gathering together is something that matters more and more. And I think if you feel lost, like a lot of these people in this article are saying, with the idea that I should believe in God and I need to have some belief in God, it's improved when you are with other people who are seeking the truth of the Lord. If you haven't been back to church since the COVID, and it's still 20 to 30%, depending on the survey, of people didn't go back, it's time to go. Get to be a part of a church, big church, small church, wherever it is that God is calling you to do. Can I encourage you to get back into it? I think it matters a lot. And you know what? Most churches, every church has got problems and no church is perfect. And, you know, if you go to a church, I used to have people come to my church, you know, and they'd say, this is the greatest church I've ever been to. And, uh, you know, and that's okay. In fact, this church has no problems. This church does everything right. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, you'll be gone in six months because eventually you're going to discover as great as we are, you know, there's something. And there's always something. Um, But if you've got a bunch of people who are committed to the word of God and they're committed to making disciples, and they're committed to loving people the way Jesus does. And they're committed to worshiping Christ. Sure, there's going to be problems, but you're going to find a good church and you're going to find community. Community that builds you up. Community that helps you grow. And I want to encourage you to do that. Find a church. If you need some help, send me an email. Pastor Scott at KKLA.com and tell me where you live. And, uh, you know, we can uh, maybe recommend something. There's some site, some stuff on our website that we can find for you. But I want to encourage you to do that. Also want to let you know and remind you that KKLA has a Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast. It's coming up on May 10th. And this matters for everybody. So it's four pastors and four church staff leadership teams. And it's to say thank you. It's an opportunity for fellowship. It's an opportunity to get together, have breakfast, and just be there for each other, pray for each other, and encourage each other. And I promise you, your pastor needs it. Your church staff needs it. The leaders in your church need it, this kind of thing. So encourage them to go and and do that. And it benefits you and everybody else in the church because it's just a refreshing moment. Pastors, we get busy, and we just think, I don't have time for that. No, you do. It's at 8 o'clock in the morning. Start The program starts at 9. Dr. Kenneth Ulmer will be our our guest speaker, and I'll be there Wednesday, May 10th, Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch. Go to kkla.com to RSVP. It's for free. Everything is free, but uh, you do need to RSVP so we know how many breakfasts to get. So go right there. And if you're not a pastor, not not sure, so email this to your pastor. Go to kkla.com, click on the pastor's breakfast link, email that link to your pastor, and ask him to go to it kkla.com. Go there right now. All right, Pastor Scott Show. I'll be back for hour two as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.